Thank you all for listening and welcome back to the Cyclone Scoop podcast. Fresh off a win in the Cyhawk game over Iowa at Kinnick Stadium, the Iowa State Cyclones sitting at 2-0 are set to host the Ohio Bobcats in a few days, Saturday afternoon. And I am pleased, great pleasure here to be co-hosted today. We've got kind of a guest here with us, the voice of the Bobcats, Russ Eisenstein, coming from the Ohio Sports Network with Lairfield Sports. Russ, thank you so much for joining and taking the time. Nick, always a pleasure to talk uh, what hopefully will be a fun non-conference game uh, for Ohio and, and really looking forward to getting to Ames and uh, looking forward to seeing all the Cyclone fans this weekend. Absolutely. And they are a group that will certainly show out from what I've seen so far and definitely heard tailgates and everything. You'll be welcomed here. So we're going to get right into it. I, I did a little bit of research on this team, but obviously we've got the expert here tonight with us. So could you just give us first off, the Bobcats are sitting at one and one, just kind of a little general overview of what the season's really looked like so far. Sure. The the win over Florida Atlantic was a good win. Um, that was really a, a barometer for where the ball club is going to be in week one. And it's one of the few FBS wins that, that the Mac has. It's been a rough start for the conference. Uh, but Ohio beat an FAU team that that has uh, designs on having a pretty good year. Willie Taggart's their head coach, and they already played in week zero. So they they beat Charlotte, uh, really beat them badly in, in week uh, zero. And so we were all very interested to see what Ohio would, would do against a team that had already played. And it was a fun night at Peden Stadium. It was a good win. And Ohio scored 41 points. And uh, there was a time there where there was a 24-0 run in the ballgame. Uh, so, yeah, you give up 38 points to say, well, how good was the defense in that game uh, when they needed to be good? They were good. And and it was a good way to start off the year, uh, balancing run and pass. And Curtis Rourke, Ohio's quarterback, was outstanding in that game. Uh, he threw for four scores and he ran for another. Uh, he was the Mac uh, Offensive Player of the Week going into to week two. So it was a good start to the year and hopes were high for the game at Penn State. Ohio had won there in 2012, uh, and that was one of the, the benchmark non-conference wins of the Frank Solich era. And, and there were a lot of really competitive games against uh, Big Ten opponents and Power Five opponents in the Solich era, really close at Minnesota before, uh, beat Illinois previously, uh, close against Pitt, uh, but played uh, really well, obviously, in 12 and, and won there. The hope was to try to go back-to-back -back or to be a little bit more competitive uh, than they were. It turned out to be a 46-10 loss, uh, gave up over 500 yards of total offense, around 260 yards of total offense. Bright spot there was Ohio at five sacks in the game and eight TFLs. The, the touchdown drive was a good drive, uh, and that hopefully is something to build on. They feel that they were better than what they showed against Penn State, and the good thing here is you get another Power 5 crack coming up this, this upcoming weekend. So um, they're a team that was picked fourth in, in the Mac East and, and fairly so that was probably about right going into the year. Um, and so if Ohio can get two and two in non-conference play, that'd be a good non-conference. Uh, but you'd love to get the upset against Iowa State for sure. Going into the Fordham game, a, a very formidable FCS opponent uh, to conclude non-conference play the weekend after ISU. Well, that's a really good kind of breakdown for our for our group and our listeners here. I'm really glad you spoke on the balance of that week one victory because that was something that stood out to me. And then Curtis Rourke as well. He had a big game. Obviously, things were a little tougher against Penn State. I know their running back had a big day, but that's a tough place to play. And obviously, 
Penn State's, you know, very competitive in the Big Ten as well. Could you just give us a little breakdown of what makes, from what I saw, a star on each side of the ball in Curtis Rourke and then potentially Bryce Houston at linebacker, pretty special for the Bobcats? Yeah, uh, Curtis is, is Nathan Rourke's brother. Um, and so if you uh, have, I'm, I'm assuming uh, there are a lot of Cyclone fans that are like me that are football nerds that, that follow the CFL. Uh, so Nathan Rourke was a record-setting quarterback here uh, in Athens, and, and he had a tremendous start, a, a record-setting start to the BC Lions season, uh, just uh, really typecast as, as a, a Canadian superstar. Uh, they called him Kid Canada up there in the first couple of weeks. And unfortunately, he went down to injury against Saskatchewan, I think, in week eight or nine. Um, and he might be out for the year, which is really unfortunate because uh, he's such a good guy and, and was such a productive Bobcat and was setting records up there in Canada. Well, anyway, uh, his brother, Curtis, uh, was here, too, uh, Canadian born as well. Uh, probably has a bigger arm than Nathan uh, did, at least during his time uh, here. Um, and he's working on uh, that read option that Ohio's had. Many of your fans might have seen Ohio play in those midweek contests for a number of years. Well, Nathan ran that option read really, really well. And, and Curtis is getting there, too, which is a, a good dynamic to Ohio's game. Tim Albin, Ohio's head coach, was Ohio's offensive coordinator. And so the, the most prolific years of Bobcat offense, uh, that was uh, uh, coached by Tim Albin. So this is a lot of the same stuff, and he's the head coach now. Well, anyway, Ohio knows how to develop quarterbacks, you know, Tyler Tettleton, of course, um, uh, and then, uh, you know, Nathan Rourke and now Curtis. Uh, and there have been some other good ones in there, too. You know, Armani Rogers is a tight end for the commanders now. Uh, caught a pass in the opener and their, their win over Jacksonville. Well, anyway, all that to say is, is Ohio knows how to, to coach quarterbacks and, and Curtis is, is making strides. Uh, it wasn't a great year for him last year. 11 touchdown passes, seven interceptions, ran for three scores. That's why week one was so cool because that was his best game as a starter. And you were hopeful against Penn State that he'd be a little bit more prolific. Um, but the windows were a little tighter and the time was a little shorter. And that's why hopefully lessons learned against Penn State, they could put into practice against Iowa State. Then you had mentioned uh, about Bryce Houston. Uh, he is a, a hard-hitting linebacker. He had a quarterback sack, uh, one and a half uh, tackles for loss against uh, uh, Penn State. Uh, he has designs on 150 tackles this year, and he'd love to be an All-American. And that's not from just a selfish standpoint. He feels that that will give his ball club the best chance to win ball games. Um, and through the complications of COVID and redshirting and all that, he does have another year as well. Uh, and roster management's a lot different now than it's been before because of all that. Uh, but Bryce, I think, looks the part. And I think he very well is going to fit in nicely on the stage at, at uh, uh, Jack Trice on, on uh, Saturday. I, I think when Cyclone fans see and hear about him, they'll say, hey, he could be a Big 12 linebacker. And that's the cool part of what Ohio brings to the table. The front seven is good. And these linebackers can hit now. Key Thompson uh, wears 38. He's going to be another uh, really good one that fans are going to take a look at. Um, and so, yeah, Ohio's linebacking uh, unit that's anchored by those two, they're really good. And, and I think that uh, new coordinator Spence Nowinski is having fun moving them around uh, because they're, they're a really, really good and fun unit to watch. 
Yeah, thank you for that. So like Houston, it sounds like not only were the numbers impressive from what I've seen, but I liked what I saw in film. And I think he even plays a little bit bigger than he is. That's yeah. something that I kind of noticed because sure. his measurables aren't necessarily, you know, quite that high. Um, Iowa State runs generally a 3-3-5 stack defensively under John Haycock. What does Ohio kind of like to do there? And, and where do you feel that they find a strength or two on their defensive projections. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, four down linemen and moving guys around, uh, they, they'd like to be multiple in, in, their, in their setup. Um, I think that the cool thing, and we talked about this on the broadcast uh, at Penn State, the cool thing is that you've got guys that were linebackers that you kind of had to move around uh, a little bit. Ben Johnson uh, led Ohio in tackles in the first week against Florida Atlantic. He had he had 15 tackles. There was a targeting penalty, so he didn't play in the first half against Penn State. So the numbers are a little skewed because he's he's played you know not even a full uh, three halves of football. Uh, but he he's a real hard hitter too. So Ohio has the ability to kind of move athletes around. Um, and even, you know, against Penn State, the secondary, yeah, they were tested. They knocked some passes away, too. I, I, I think um, uh, you've got some guys in that back end there that can make some plays. Uh, number 11 is Tariq Drake, uh, probably the, the, uh, the captain of that secondary. Uh, had some interceptions last year, and, and he can make some plays, too. So there are pieces there for sure. And, and the goal is to gel them before league play. Uh, but it'd be really fun if they can they can make some plays against the Cyclones on, on Saturday. Absolutely. So Iowa State coming off a win this week, but it sounds like neither Iowa State nor Ohio maybe played their, their best or their most complete football this week. Where do you see maybe two or three specific areas that Ohio can try to clean up against Iowa State? Again, of course, you know, Big 12 going after a Big 10 school. So some good conferences there. But it seems that both the Cyclones and Bobcats would feel that there's some room to improve right now. Sure. I, I think that the thing that you'd like to see continue is the ability to get to the quarterback. Um, and, and they did that against Sean Clifford on Saturday. He didn't play the whole game for Penn State, uh, didn't have to. Uh, but Ohio did cause some disruption then. They're, they're going to have to build on that. I'm really curious to see. Um, Ohio's defense and playmaking ability against Xavier Hutchinson. I, I, he's one of the best wide receivers in the country. Uh, I mean, he's outstanding. And, and not only just in the Big 12, but, but in the nation. He's really, really good. And he's going to be a really, really good test uh, for this Bobcat defense. So, so you'd love to see that sort of improvement there. And, and, you know, I mean, he's already got like 20 touchdown catches this year, seemingly. <laughs> you know, he had a, a bunch in the opener. He had the touchdown catch against Iowa this past Saturday. So that's going to be a fun one to see. Um, and then on the flip side of things that you need to build on and improve on uh, offensively, Bobcats need to hit some big plays. They gave up way too many big plays against Penn state. Um, and so they're going to have to limit the big plays for, for Iowa state. Uh, I think it's going to be curious to see the effect of an emotional win and, and, and psychology is, is always a part of this, right? So it will be interesting to see after the win over Iowa, how locked in Iowa State is. And that's no disrespect to them at all. That's no disrespect to the coaching staff, Matt Campbell, or anybody. Because Matt Campbell certainly knows about the Mac, being a former head coach at Toledo. So it'll be interesting to see their, their mood 
uh, and their their want to going into the ball game after the emotional win over Iowa. You know, I mean that plays a part in that. Uh, but I know Ohio is going to be excited to be there for sure. Um, and uh, so yeah, those are things that this team can clean up. I really like that, you know, kind of point about the emotions, because I feel that not only was it not an insult to Iowa State or the staff or anything, but it's something that I feel you see a little bit more in college football, maybe compared to to a high school or to NFL level and things like that, because emotions and the fans are such a big deal. And I also like that you hit on big plays. That's a spot that Iowa State defensively so far has been really good at stopping. I think that offensively stretching, whether it's Hutchinson, like you mentioned, who I believe up to four scores or the running back room or the new speedster, Dimitri Stanley, that they're really trying to get involved. They'd like to see a little more of that. Now, now granted, Iowa's defense was a little bit different and there were some weather concerns and things like that. So maybe they didn't quite get those chances, but it will be interesting as you talk about the back line of Ohio, if Iowa State is really able to do that this Saturday. And, you know, finally, I don't necessarily need a score prediction or or anything like that, because I don't think that's really what we're here for. But maybe where do you see a spot where Ohio could find some success? And what could that lead to in the, you know, kind of overall answers to the game? I think that if Iowa State fans are game planning for this one, you could take a look at the scoring drive that Ohio had against Penn State, which was near the end of the first half. And they really balanced run and pass. And there were some fun plays in there too. There, there, were, there was a flea flicker in there. Um, Ohio can, and, and always has here, used the, the jet sweep, the end of rounds really well. And so it's hard to replicate that sort of drive. Um, but when Ohio played tempo against FAU, that caught them a bit off guard. Uh, I don't know if it's going to have the same effect against Iowa State, but I'd like to see if Ohio could get you know five, six yards on, on play one. Will they be able to turn the tempo up a little bit? Um, and so that, that scoring drive against Penn State is one to take a look at as to Ohio's success there. Um, and then defensively, just keep you know focusing on the positive things that they did of getting to the quarterback, TFLs, and it's hard to say that the defense played a good or a great game when you give up you know, over 500 yards of total offense. But it, 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 it's a little deceiving because a lot of those yards came on big, big plays. I mean, Penn State hit some big ones against Ohio. So smooth it out defensively. And yeah, the psychology of it, this is a game that's between, you know, uh, Iowa and Baylor. Um, and so, yeah, you, you, you play on the psychology a little bit. And Ohio wants to show that they're, they're better than what they showed against Penn State. So all that's to say, you know, hopefully it's a fun ball game. I know Iowa State fans want to dominate just like they did in the second half against SEMO. Um, but I'm curious to see what this Bobcat team can bring to the table on Saturday. And, and, and believe me, I've encouraged our fans to make the trip to Ames. It is a classic, awesome Midwest college town with really, really good people. The tailgating is awesome. I'm looking forward to being there uh, as a mid as a, a, a Chicagoland native and and being at Ames before for a, a game. And uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to being there on Saturday. I'm certainly excited to have you here, meet you in person. I know that the fans will be and will be welcoming. And I, I like that point as well when you talked about some of the tempo, because that's something that early on in that SEMO game week one seemed to work for the road team against the Cyclones. 
They had a little bit of mobility at quarterback and the defense wasn't necessarily settled early on. Mm -hmm. I know that you mentioned Rourke has found some success on the ground as well as I've been impressed with how he can throw the ball. So I think that will be a big thing. And in terms of psychology, it wouldn't be out of the question just because I haven't even been around this team too long, but I've been told by a lot of the fans and things like that. Good September starts weren't necessarily something Iowa state was accustomed to every year. I think that they struggled with some things. And I think that this will be a week where Ohio tries to get back on track and Iowa state really tries to not only keep up the winning streak, but clean up some things from that Iowa game. Like we mentioned. Sure. And, and, and a big part of that is I, I would think that, you know, the psychology there too is big win over Iowa. Uh, it, it's a cyclone state this year, right? Uh, obviously you and I fans and Drake fans would, would uh, beg to differ, but it's the biggest rivalry in the state. Um, and so I would guess that Matt Campbell is saying, you know what, let's, let's, let's live up to that. The other part about all this too, is I'm pretty sure just reading Twitter and all that's going on, there's going to be a lot of other stuff that's talked about with Matt Campbell and potentially his ball club based on a coaching change in Lincoln. Uh, and he's going to be asked about that a little bit too. And, and I know he's dealt with that a great deal before. And, and I, I've heard he's happy in Ames and all that. And, and Cyclone fans are happy with him there too. But that's just another thing that they're going to have to deal with a little bit this week. I, I don't know. Um, but I, I know Iowa State has a chance to be a really good team this year. And so Ohio's going to have to play really, really well to beat them. Uh, but I, e even in a loss, I, I'd love to see Ohio be competitive uh, like they've been in, in big non-conference games before. And this is a really good test against a well-coached, really good football team that, that um, hopefully has a good year for themselves. And I think that's a fair point. I haven't been around a lot of that either. And, you know, we're not even necessarily implying anything, but on the no. faith level, there have been reports that we've really seen on Twitter throughout the day, some a lot, we'll say stronger and, you know, maybe ahead of themselves than others. So that will be interesting. I think the team will be ready. I just know that how there's veteran leadership from the staff and some of these players, but it's certainly worth noting, as you said, my friend, and, you know, I think that it's going to be interesting. I, I figure Iowa State will take care of business, but I wouldn't necessarily be shocked if it's a bit of a slower start for the Cyclones at home. So thank you so much for taking the time with me today. We look forward to having you in this great state of Iowa, and hopefully I'll be able to catch you in person. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, you bet. Uh, looking forward to making the trip. Uh, always appreciate talking ball and, and a good non-conference matchup and looking forward to seeing all the Cyclone fans coming up later this week. Absolutely. So we thank Russ Eisenstein, the voice of the Bobcats, for taking his time today. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Cyclone Scoop Podcast.